welcome to As the Worm Turns. You are tuned in to KVNF's live calling gardening show. I'm your host, Jill Spears, and I'm here with my favorite organic <laughs> gardeners. Hello, worms. Lance and Lulu. Hello. Hello, everybody. Great to be here on a September Tuesday, and it's feeling really autumnal out there, and yeah. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a relief not to be um, struggling to keep everything wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like even though I got a really lot of work, and as most people would say, the days are shorter. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, so you're yeah, right. So you're out there, and and it's getting dark, and you're going, okay, I gotta go. And then you go in, and it's six thirty. You go, wait, what? A, wait yeah. a minute. Well, Seven thirty-eight now. Well, yeah. yeah. It, but it, you get inside, and then you got to get your peeler out and start peeling oh, the pears. <laughs> Yeah, I, working I, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, what did I do? I did a, I, be jamming today, so I made pear jam. Ooh, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I do that stuff at four thirty in the morning. Oh, that's your morning oh, routine. God. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's I chopped up pears this morning, and put them on the drying racks. Yeah. And just difference, you know, you still uh-huh. got to do it. Yeah, you know, that's right. Whether just you yeah. want to do it late at night or yeah, see, first I'm thing a, in the morning. Right, mm-hmm. I'm a night person. You, yeah, I can stay up till 11, 30, 12, 1 <laughs> o'clock at night, no problem. Doing pairs uh-huh. or some good yeah. rock uh-huh. and roll or, yeah. or <laughs> blues or something. On mm-hmm. the, yeah, buddy, yeah. I'm all in. Get it done. Yeah, drinking wine and chopping well, pears. Yeah, well, no the problem. crescent moon is really quite beautiful <gasps> in the morning. It is. It yeah. is. Morning now, sky is awesome. It's, yeah. I love it. It hangs like a little jewel. I think it's Venus out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so beautiful. I know. The air just feels good. Everything about mm-hmm. this time of year is great. And we're in the wind down. So give us a ring. 527-4868-866-KVNF-NOW. You can email us, worm at kvnf.org. And we do have our first caller on the line. So good evening, caller. Who are we speaking with? We are speaking with Hillary. (laughs) Hi, Hillary. What's happening? Hi. Hi. It's not really, well, I want to, I live on primitive land. The soil is like really impoverished, you know. And um, I have collected a bunch of yucca seeds, and I want to... Grow some yucca here because it's, it's like you know. Mm-hmm. Sounds sage. like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I've collected all these seeds, and I want to know what maybe I should do with them to make yeah some yucca. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's a tough yeah. one. I mean, I would put some out and about in the yard, that's... but I'd also put some in some pots. That's what mm-hmm. I would okay. do. I, I would divide and conquer. Yeah. Think of how many different okay. ways you could get them to possibly germinate. Yeah. And uh, see how okay. it works. Yeah. Yeah. And leave those pots outside. Okay. So put them in pots first before I like put them in the ground. Yeah. See what you can oh, yeah, do. Yeah. Just, just so I you know, right? Now or later? Well, I. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It's. You, <laughs> when you harvest them, the seeds are dry, and yes. when the wind comes or the birds peck at it, there's a few seeds falling on the ground. So I think, you, right. but if you put them in, plant them now, I wouldn't water them. Mm-hmm. Wait till it okay, rains. Okay, plant, don't water. Okay. Yeah, okay. and I would cool. go around your property and put stakes down and mark where you've put a few seeds. Exactly. Okay. Plus put some in the pots. Exactly. Okay. And, Sounds great. Thank right? you. Right. Just okay. try, try to create some different scenarios. And mm-hmm. I, I could see Lance's, I could see his the gears turning. Be, you're trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, well, well, what does the plant do naturally? Yeah. It tips over. Exactly. Yeah. It drops the seeds somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Or it gets blown over. And Okay, so if I plant the seeds in pots, do I do that now or yes. later? Sure. Just now. And okay. again, and don't, and water, don't them. water them. Just leave them there. Set them outside. Okay. Set them outside. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, right, Hillary. Sure. Good luck. Good I luck. appreciate it. Okay. Thank Thanks you. for the call. Yeah. Yeah. And keep us posted also. I, I know. hope she's still listening. She probably is. Um, it, let us know how it turns out. Yeah. I just today saw an amazing kind of a crevice garden like Shane Smith has talked to us about, but it was a little bit bigger and heftier and it had some 
beautiful yucca plants in mm-hmm. it, just right here mm-hmm. in town. So they can yeah. thrive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mine bloomed this year. I only have a few. So, and I put the cages around them so the deer love the blooms. Yeah. So I, anyways, and I haven't looked, but the seed pods still haven't opened up. They're still there. Yeah. So we'll see. And I'll, I'll pick them and throw them around a little bit. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I was letting uh, I let um, my irises where I they developed a big mm-hmm. pod. I let that go to seed, and I just opened those and put them in a, a separate jar. Um, and then I was hoping my pink ladies, naked lady lilies, mm-hmm. I let those go to seed also, and they mostly are just rotting, the huh. seed heads. But mm-hmm. I think that's probably due to the fact that they're in where the cosmos is. The cosmos gets watered a lot, voila. Mm-hmm. You know? I'll check mine. Okay. And see if there's uh, some. I think it's a black seed in there. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, it, but the, you know how it comes out and that mm-hmm. looks like a little star. Yeah. And at the end of every little point is the seed pod. And most of my seed pods have rotted. Well, interesting. I think it's the cosmos fault. Sure. The cosmos <laughs> will do that to you. Yeah, every, It'll get every you time. Right when you're not every time when mm-hmm. you're not paying attention. There yeah. You are. Yeah. And in general, it's um, about time to cut back on watering a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you can start cutting back. Uh, you want your perennials to harden off. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be really lush and, you know, then it's 15 degrees. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get frozen. Yeah. So you just start cutting it back and you want your grape vines to develop a woody brown texture the winter over and so cut back on those but at the same time you don't want them to go through winter dry yeah so it's right. tricky. if you have water or even domestic water for that short period of time you can water them to go through the winter with some moisture in the ground yeah, um, I know that one of the big ditches here is going to run a little bit longer than mm-hmm. it was expected to. Um, what about trees and that kind of thing going into the winter? Should be it good? always helps. Mm-hmm. I water deep. Yeah, yeah, and, deep and watering. then I forget about it. I, you know, because I, I have said ditch that's going to go longer. Yeah. So I'll make sure they get a really nice. Yeah, yeah and the overland I think is already off. Is it? Mm-hmm. And that's the one that goes Stucker Mesa over to. Uh, Redlands Mesa. That's a big one. That's mm-hmm. a long ways. Yeah. 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 You know, so anyways, do the best you can. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. It's not too early to think about that because we're like in the middle of September right yeah. now. Yeah. We're rolling yeah. into. <laughs> if you don't think about it, it's not going to get done. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be done right now, but. Make gotta... baby steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it was uh, snowing in the high country uh, south of here uh, today. Uh, oh really so, yeah huh. down on uh, red mountain and mollus uh-huh. the pass was snowing so feels <laughs> kind of exciting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and you stopped watering your potatoes though um, uh that you know every week it's another thing i'm done watering mm, yeah. so potatoes the potatoes week. are done because you want that they're the type of thing that two things will happen if they get water when it's late they'll either rot or they'll start growing again <laughs> and if they start growing again, they don't store very well. Yeah. So you can eat them, but they don't store as well. So I have stopped watering it, and um, I will harvest them sometime in October. Okay. You know? You and had good storage over the last yeah. winter of your yeah. potatoes. Yeah, you were eating right up until the 11th hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the only thing that in those all, all those row crops that I grew um, – the only thing that's still being watered just once a week is the squash bed and the also the bed where the cucumbers and melons and tomatoes are. Otherwise, the dry beans, the millet, the barley, and barley and kamut are harvested. They're done, done with. And then, um, and there's a little bit of buckwheat in there. I just finished watering that. The blue corn's done watering. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I took the sprinklers off their usual rotation. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what this rainstorm does, if we get any. And I'll figure out what to do next. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty much the party's over. And the, well, whatever. And the, the sun-gold tomatoes, you have to be careful not to, at this time of year. Because I, you know, put cut all the suckers mm-hmm. off and uh-huh. did that whole number. 
man, then they just go to town and they all split and everything. But yeah. that's okay because you can still dry them or... Uh, that's oh, what I've yeah. been drying them. Yeah, yeah. I've I've have I've got some in the dryer. I'm going to put some more in. The sun golds <clears throat> this year were some of the fruitiest, sweetest. Just, oh God! Yeah. Tomatoes I've ever yeah tasted. In mm-hmm. my life. They're just off the charts. Yeah, they've been off the charts, and and the whole cycle has been so whacked. Oh. I think, you know, I'm I was looking at my. Uh, snow peas. <laughs> I just went, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. You, you have know. some peeking out, don't you, Lance? I have some. The snap peas are blooming, and they're about, some of them are about a half inch. Mm-hmm. Now, the snow peas still like it a little bit cooler, so they're not even going to bloom for another week, two weeks. All yeah. right. But they're really looking good. What a treat that's going to yeah. be. Yeah, huh? mine are looking good too. Mm-hmm. They're looking good. Well, yeah. the ones that decided to, you know, grow past six yeah. inches tall. <laughs> I haven't done it this year, but you, can, I have in the past. Um, and you don't do this with legumes in general. Manure tea. Fertilize mm-hmm. them. Fertil, fertilize them. And we're going in the short day lengths. It's really going to make a difference. FFF, fabulous fecal fertilizer. Yeah, that's right. Be on deck. Go for it. You've got a lot of that on, on supply, mm-hmm. don't you? Well, no, I'm almost out of it now because I've used it all up. But I figured I could either brew another batch in the basement over the winter. or mm-hmm. and I, But that sounds like too much trouble. I'll just wait until next. <laughs> Brewing a batch in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like too much trouble. I think I'll just wait until next mm-hmm. spring and fire it up. And, you know, I've yeah. got, I'll have all the product I need mm-hmm. to make it. Um, but I was thinking about doing some um, comfrey special. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Um, fertilizing it? Or no, just cu- it? I've got, oh, my comfrey is so out of control. There's enough to choke <laughs> 10 horses, although they wouldn't need it anyway. But um, uh, even though I just cut it and put it in a barrel and put water on it and let it hang. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, mm-hmm. get it out before it freezes. <laughs> right. <laughs> if I don't, right. oh well. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's interesting about the whole season being different? Um, it was different for everybody. Yeah. Everybody yeah. had something different going on. It wasn't weirdness. like a consistent no, pattern. No. no, and and that's what you're going to expect. Yeah. Well, I had things that the raspberries were early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were done. They're done, and they usually go to October. Yeah. And they were done a week or two ago. I stopped. Mm -hmm. I did get my three gallons of frozen raspberries. Oh, you did? Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Still pulled it out. (laughs) But the onions, the onions were uh, two weeks to a month early. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I've got to trim some. That's that's a significant chunk of time. Yeah, Yeah, And it was planted from seed in the ground. You know, it wasn't like I started them inside a seed in the ground, and you think that they would just do their normal thing, but no, they were early. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious about maybe some of the larger orchards and what their what season was like. Mm-hmm. They're so dependent on that first um, missing that last mm-hmm. frost, and yeah. then the last or that, the first frost, too. right? And the first one mm-hmm. as well. So that's what I always wonder. Is I mean, we're whining about. You know, three gallons of raspberries or, yeah. you know, 50 jars of arugula pesto. I could do another 50, but I'm not going to. Um, what about the guys that are doing 50 acres of mm-hmm. something? Yeah. Man. You got to be really on top of it. And when it's time to harvest. You just got to go for go, it. You go for yeah. it. Right. And right. you hope that when you put it in, it takes. Yeah, yeah I have some friends and um, talking to the orchard people out of Cedar Ridge, and <clears throat> it was just one block of peaches to the next, to the next, to the next. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 My peaches, my peaches are always late mm-hmm. because they're on that little dwarf tree, which mm-hmm. they've finally. I I I propped the ban- branches up as best I could, and it's still. It, it's not. It's done. Yeah. You know, it's over. So. Um, but the, it's dropping the peaches now, but they're not quite 100% ripe. The ones <laughs> that are on the ground are fabulous, most of them. Mm-hmm. But it's not 100% ready to pick them off the tree. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, my Just peach tree's been a little off that way this year too. Yeah. But good peaches when they mm-hmm. do come. Oh man, yeah. when they do come, yeah. yeah. Hey, Skip is on the line. Wants to talk about transplanting aspen tree. Mm-hmm. Hi, oh, Skip. Hey. Hi, what? guys. Hi, Skip. How's it going? Good. good. Good to hear from you. What's happening? Cool. Thanks. Um, yeah. Well, I've got an aspen tree that's in basalt. It's over at my mom's place, and it's it's growing up kind of through some gravel, actually, and but it's right close to a fence, and I'm just looking at it like it's eventually going to be too big to move and it's going to damage this fence and I could use an extra tree in my yard maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of like, you know, just looking for like maybe the best time or strategy for, for trying to move. It's probably like 10, 12 feet high at this point. And the diameter of the tree is probably, you know, an inch, inch and a half. It's, it's not super thick. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I know, okay. No, I, I know exactly what to do, but okay. uh, it still has leaves on it, right? It does. Okay, wait till they turn yellow, because that means it's dormant. That's the minimum. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And if you wait, uh, um, well, you got to wait till it's dormant, and it's going to be coming off a root about six to 12 inches below the ground and it's going to be a straight okay. root and uh, technically all you got to do is cut both sides of that root and uh, move it so lift it up from that so you got to find where that root is coming from and uh, mm-hmm. um, you could cut it well there's some, there are some other larger aspen trees that are yeah. somewhat nearby not like super close but well that's where they're yeah. coming from Mm-hmm. Probably okay. the yeah. chances of it starting as a seed are yeah, it's, slim to nil. Yeah, but anyways, um, so every inch of caliper or diameter of the trunk needs twelve inches of root ball. So you need to go six to twelve inches on each side of that trunk. Go down, cut that root off with loppers or a very sharp shovel, and wrap mm-hmm. it with dirt. Well, hopefully you got dirt on there. You got it in uh, gravel, so you're not going to have that much there. Well, there's probably some dirt be, uh, below the gravel. Sure, but sure. Yeah, but anyways, scrape yeah. the gravel away. Yeah, and uh, wrap it with burlap as best you can, and plant it. Bring yeah. it over here and plant it. Okay, yeah. it might work. But my, and and is it okay to do that in, in the fall, or should I wait till next spring? Well, maybe, the problem uh, with next spring... Grow that no, 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 no. This is the problem. Yeah. Aspen trees start to grow when the snow is still on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. the best time to do it is now, or when it goes okay. dormant this fall. Yeah. Right, right. Otherwise, it'll be too late in the spring to do it. Although there's a lot of people that do do it in the spring, and they're so determined to grow that you can can do it. But right, the the perfect time is in the fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, awesome. And it sounds like just air on the side of in that root kind of try and get as much of the root as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But then cut it off at a certain point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's really what how much you can lift up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much? You know. <laughs> you and your friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is I was maybe a little worried about transporting it from basalt to peonia. Um, I guess would I want to like lay it down in the back of my truck? Lay it down. I... Yeah. And wrap it with old blankets mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Old sheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it it. from getting beat up by the Mm -hmm. wind, you know, and and the thrashing around back there. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You want to kind of do that. Prevent that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you one more thing. Is it? it, Have you noticed that there are are any other shoots within I don't know five or six foot radius of that tree? I would say no. Ah. Um, Unless it's on my. Uh, or my, I should say my mom's neighbor's land, maybe, but I don't think they have aspen trees there. I know she's got some that are, but but hers are more like I want to say 
at least 50 feet away. Like they're, they're oh, kind of yeah. yeah. a little ways off. Yeah, that's um, far enough. But I'll pay attention to what's going on in my neighbor's yard too. But they're, yeah, they are all connected by roots underneath. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. thing, uh, d- this winter, if it's a dry winter, make sure you water that tree. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, even in the wintertime. In mm-hmm. the wintertime. Yeah. Keep it mulched it, really good. You don't have well. a root system, so you're going to have yeah. to keep it moist. Right. And you, you right. probably should stake it too. Um, you know, right. brace it up a little bit so right. it doesn't struggle and wiggle and yeah. get all oh, that. So in the winter time, would I want to put cold water on it or just warm some water. water? You know, wet water will do. <laughs> yeah, wet water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so hard to find these days. <laughs> I, I don't think you want warm water because no, that might no. uh, make things start to grow. It, it might just, think it's. Put a little kelp in there and you're doing good. Kelp, there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. I appreciate the response. All right, thanks. Good luck bringing that aspen tree to Peonia. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. I knew a guy um, that used to ski all the time at Snowmass that brought them to Florida. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and kept them alive. Really? Uh-huh. Oh. I haven't seen them in years, so I don't, you know, I don't know what's up now. Wow, but aspen trees in Florida. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Isn't that an invasive species? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Right. I don't know. Oh, my God. That, that'll be the thing, right, when we yeah. start getting kudzu vine up here or something. Oh, <laughs> Ew. Ew. Or those spiders they were talking about on NPR one time, this spider that's making its way across the country. Oh, it's 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 ridiculous. The amount (laughs) of invasive species all over the world. Well they're all they're all they're Mm -hmm. all following the exact first golden rule, adapt or die. Right. Yeah. What about that Mormon? Uh, cricket the crickets. in northwest Colorado. We yeah. heard about that at the extension office, and wow, mm-hmm. that's um, so prolific that it covers houses. Mm-hmm. It's on the road, and people's tires are like hydroplaning they're because there's so many on so the road. Many. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, devastating to crops. So yeah, well, and then our very own grasshopper and our very own grasshoppers this <laughs> year, right? <laughs> You know, we don't want to be left out. Let's yeah. get let's get on it here with the grasshoppers. Right. Mother of God. Well, it's just been tough. It has been. Interesting yeah. year. Interesting is right. Uh, last week, uh, Lance Lulu and I and our friend Amber Kleiman went out to visit the Night Owl, Night Owl Food Forest. Mm-hmm. Forest Farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's here in Peonia, and they are rehabbing a piece of land and using a kugel concept. Hugel, 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 Hugel culture. Hugel culture, which comes from Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to take a listen to a little bit of our field trip out there. Yeah, it was fun. We are up at Night Owl Food Forest here in Peonia with Elizabeth Yari. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Great to be here, and her colleagues and cohorts, it's Marta and Trace. Hi, Marta. Hi. Trace. Howdy. And, of course, uh, my favorite worms, it's Lance and Lulu and Amber with us today. Hi. Hello. Yes, this looks like quite the project, so let's get into it. We're standing on top of this hill that's a lot of sagebrush, um, but you can tell that there's a lot of efforts going on here to revitalize this hillside. So. What's happening here, Elizabeth? Well, it's actually quite windy, and uh, what happened is that the topsoil that was here at one time has been blown away. So I'm basically making soil and experimenting with some plantings on this uh, on this top part of the land. What's your overall goal here? Night Owl Food Forest is a seven-layered food forest. So that means that there are tall canopy trees, sub-canopy trees, large bushes, smaller bushes, mm. medicinals, uh, a cover crop, a root crop, and a vine layer. Okay. In order to make the soil, you'll see a lot of compost piles around. All these uh, large circles are compost piles, and I basically take the kitchen scraps from Paonia, I have like 26, 
bins all around Paonia for people's kitchen scraps. Bring it up here and in a month I've got a huge pile. And um, so that's the original way that I have started making soil here. And uh, I just moved that, those piles over to the trees and the trees are kind of doing fine here, I think, because of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just interspersed um, amongst the trees and plants? Yes, yeah, so I have the pile spaced in places where it was convenient for me to put and convenient for me to take from. So I get mm -hmm. close to the trees. What size are the piles before they break down? Oh, they're up to my head. Okay. Yes, yeah. they're quite big. I, I've heard of people on other farms, wherever they had the materials, that's where they made the pile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't take it like, I'm taking it all out of the garden, make a pile. They right. don't have the compost yard, it's actually in the yard. Yeah, put it where it's yeah. going to be. So in this particular spot, it is a seven-layered food forest. So that would be considered the tall mm. uh, canopy tree, the honey locust. And then the um, nanking cherry would be a sub-canopy, and this choke cherry would be um, beneath that. Black currant, that's another layer down. This is um, all cover crop. And then I do have, um, Lance, I have your carrot seeds in here somewhere as the root layer. <laughs> and also some radishes, some turnips. Oh, and wow. then the grape over here is the vine layer. Once those trees get tall, the grapes just get to grow up the tree. I tell you, I didn't know that it would grow so fast. And so I, I didn't quite get there quick enough to put a... <laughs> um, you know, I, I would love a trellis and arbor. I'd love to have mm -hmm. this area here have a portal. And I think a great portal would be fantastic to walk through. But I, I will get that, that made. I just uh, put it on the list. How long have these trees uh, been planted up here? There's a lot of trees amongst the sagebrush. The um, students from Pella, Pioneer Experiential Leadership Academy, they came and dug the holes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, first of all, we went over to study but the beaver and beaver characteristics. And then we um, channeled our inner beaver to be strong, persevere and, you know, keep at a job. And that's how they managed to dig these holes. Mm -hmm. It was quite a feat because if mm -hmm. you take a crowbar and um, just put it into the ground here, you hear ping, ping. Ping. I mean, there's a lot of rock. Mm -hmm. And they were taking out rocks, I don't know, two feet in size. Wow. Very strong. So they dug the holes and then a group of um, earth regenerators came here and wanted to plant the trees. So they came, Amber opened up half an hour early for me that day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a group of us planted the trees together. So to have community involved in this means that it's gone way past my, mm -hmm. my just for me. It's not just for me. It never was. Yeah. Nice. So what we can do is backtrack and I can, maybe Marta or Chase can talk about the hugel bed. To my understanding, it's pronounced hugel. Hugel. Culture. Mm -hmm. Culture. It's a ancient practice of utilizing um, different densities of wood, generally debris from large trees that are are newly fallen to Ooh. highly decomposed trees that have you know been are closer to that soil process right. on up to duff like what you find on the forest floor along with nitrogen sources like manure and and green green fertilizer collecting them and compiling them in a particular like a specific area where they can absorb water well uh -huh. and and then act like a sponge over time hold water for a longer duration than what what soil can on its own like you see in the forest you turn over a log that after two weeks of rain it's still moist underneath because carbon bodies like that hold water really well the the cellulose membrane the that that wood can hold water for a long duration so the idea with elizabeth's system is placing hugel beds underneath of a waterway, a tailwater system that she has, a surplus water system, whatever extra water she has from her irrigation, she can deliver to the, the hugel bed terraces to uh, infiltrate a lot of water, capture and store a lot of water, and then bank into the hugel beds 
bank into that woody debris and encourage decomposition and soil building and provide a, a area that is uh, moist um, even in drought conditions wow, along with precipitation that comes. Yeah. It kind of sounds magic to have um, old forest trees underneath your garden. Right. All right, night owl food forest. Just add water and, man, <laughs> miraculous stuff starts to happen, right? Yeah. 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 Well, it was amazing to see that that's only been running, what, two weeks, maybe a month, and that mm -hmm. there's already water. It, um, the bugs. seepage, I mean, you could hear us squishing yeah. along. It yeah. was mm -hmm. quite... Amazing. And the, the plants that were coming up alongside of where the water was. Oh, yeah. The trailing mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Through the, Already the mm -hmm. cattails were starting and yeah. things right. like that. And they had planted right. some cover crops, some buckwheat. And they actually, first time I'd seen Sudan grass, and it was only mm -hmm. two weeks old and it was 12 inches tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, you are listening to As the Worm Turns on KVNF. Give us a call, 970-527-4868-866-KVNF-NOW, worm at kvnf.org. Um, I do like the concept of putting, feeling like you're in an old forest and thinking mm -hmm. the trees are decaying in there. Um, there's nothing better than being in an old forest. Yeah. You know, and she, I mean, Elizabeth has this thing, and she even said, you know, it'll take 100 years. You know, and you know, so you got to start somewhere. You got to start and just it, have a good it, time. Yeah, it, it. I loved that about it, mm -hmm. actually, because and then the Hugel mounds that were uh, not underground, where they had just uh, put had all the sticks in it, mm -hmm. parts of sticks and stems, and you know, branches and things, and then packed the dirt all around it. Yeah, and that was interesting. And that was an interesting one because you don't plant on top. You plant on the sides. On the right. sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, just there's a lot. It made sense to me in, in that way that the infrastructure of the wood and the logs breaking down under yeah. the soil. I mean. That it, just makes sense. It, it just makes sense mm -hmm. to me because that's where all your your chemistry happens. That's where mm -hmm. all your microorganisms, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, people don't think about it, but how does a tree eat? How does it, how does it convert sunlight to sugar starches and store it? And, and then it converts to sugars and, or is it, yeah, sugar <laughs> to starch, right? Right. That's why the leaves, when they change in the fall, all of that color is always there. But you don't see it until there's not enough sunlight to produce mm. the chlorophyll that keeps it green. I like that. Yeah. It's yeah. always right there. It's always mm -hmm. there. Happening. I mean, in a, a tree doesn't have a heart, but yet flow them, how does it go? Flow them up, silum down. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And, and so that, that layer is tiny, skinny. It is. You know, what, how many cells? Just a couple of cells thick. The flow them up and silo them down, mm -hmm. but it—I <laughs> don't know—it's a miracle. Oh, the miracle <laughs> yeah. of trees. It's a miracle. Absolutely. It's a miracle of life. Mm -hmm. It's just life. It's a miracle. I'm looking forward to planting some trees here before the snow flies and mm -hmm. uh, putting a couple more fruit trees out in my backyard. And anything special I should do to prep that hole? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Is that well, funny? Uh, <laughs> well, dig it wider than it's needed, mm -hmm. you know, four or five inches. And then, you know, if you have compost or mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, you're going to mix it with that soil. And uh, this is what I've done on something like this. Um, I actually dug holes for my original fruit trees, and I actually did the broad fork in the bottom of the hole to loosen it up another oh. 12 oh. inches. Oh, nice. You know, so it wasn't, just, it wasn't just the whole the size of the root ball, ball. Yeah. it actually got aerated down even far, farther than that uh. and um one of the things that they found out is you don't want perfectly smooth round sides, sides. you want no, it especially sort of in this soil because that will 
create a barrier for the roots to go out and the water to come in. So you want it sort of rough. In fact, you could just mm-hmm. take a cultivator after you dig the hole and rough it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you always, you don't want to put it in straight compost either. No. Mm-hmm. You want to mix it in the native soil. You want soil. to mix it in so the tree doesn't start growing and then hit the native soil and go, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. What is this stuff? <laughs> what? Wait. And this is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah. about the bark for the winter on a young little tree should we wrap that you can wrap it you can whitewash it mm-hmm. and certain trees want more of it because it's the winter sun that cause, it, causes that uh trunk to burn yeah it burns mm-hmm. yeah and, and you're going to want to keep the deer off it as well mm-hmm. yeah the, for sure especially when they get into but rubbing their antlers in the spring and yeah. things yeah so um yeah you wrapping it's a good idea but yeah. don't wrap it real tight mm-hmm and remember to take it off in the right. spring. Don't don't mm-hmm. strangle it. In yeah, fact, I have a couple it. places I have to wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, new, especially the they were locust trees, and uh, that's a very tender bark mm-hmm. when they're young like that. You know, like maybe an inch and a half. <laughs> and so I'm going to wrap those for a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should probably wrap mine too. I have one that came from seed in the mm-hmm. hell strip on Rio Grande, right by the driveway there where I parked my truck. And I'm thinking I might let that go, mm-hmm. let it just go. Because I was looking at my big maples, going, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you they're gonna the maple have to." Scene no, that's there. yeah, and uh, it, it, it's not healthy. You know, I can you look at where they're growing and how the trunks are gra- growing over. I cut one down already. Yeah, I probably should have cut the others, but okay. it didn't happen, so there it is. Well, that's <laughs> oh, no. yeah. It's how you roll. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's how we roll as gardeners. Hey, we've got Anthony on the line that wants to talk about some blight on roses. Hi, Anthony. Hi, fire blight, actually. Oh, fire but, blight. Um, <laughs> okay. You, you know, the, the, the age-old... Um, now, this is actually my AI-generated voice, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> sounds just like you. <laughs> no, because it's been so long. I just noticed some this morning on some hybrid teas of mine, and I hadn't seen any for a long time. I cut that right off and disposed of it properly. But uh, so, is it, what is it? Something about copper sulfate or something? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. I, I've not heard of uh, any of those for fire blight. I, 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 okay. I just know to cut it out and sterilize your pruners every, every time. Every time you cut. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but there's no no medicine, you know. There's no... You just Sus- cut it out. Yeah. Cut okay. it out. You mean like something systemic that would prevent it from coming around again? I, I don't think there's anything. Yeah, I don't go for systemic stuff. Very much. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think, I, I don't know. I go, I'm mixed up. What am I thinking about with that copper sulfate? I think they used to, they used to say, spray that if you see it on the uh-huh. leaves or something. But is that right? I can't remember. Yeah, I I've always like, just heard, cut it out. Yeah, me too. And yeah. where it's coming from, it could be in the ground. Yeah. But um, where, I mean, where is this rose bush? What's uh, in, West, south, actually southwest, it's hot 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 mm-hmm. okay but anyways the the other thing that inf- they how they can get infected is you have bees or insects working flowers on an infected plant right and that's what's coming to your plant and that's how yeah. that's the probably the main way it's coming yeah well i, I reckon you're probably right because my i i just i mean the lady luckily who lived here before me nice old lady didn't use any pesticides and i just i actually i'll take a video of it send it to you <laughs> i mean there, okay. this is like that would be cool. been, and i told you guys before there's native bees there's a, there's a bunch of honeybees but there's also a bunch of native mm-hmm. bees and i am so it's like i have a purpose of life this is a good thing to do Right on. Great. Good idea. Yeah. yeah, you know, look after the insects. That's a good thing. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. And I was just going to tell you something, too. It's really interesting. I heard that British lady earlier talking about that Hugel thing. Yes. So I, I used to have this cabin up in St. Daniel in Wyoming, west of Laramie in the Sonoma Range. And I was saying to this friend of mine, neighbor, who lived up there a long time, I was like, so, because he was a logger, I was like, why... When you walk through the woods, is, are there all these old, you know, 
they're sort of they're old. They're 30, 40, 50, whatever, old, old, you know, the things on the ground, all these old trees on the ground. Because, I mean, surely that would be really hard if you're logging to walk through all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, but see, this is how the Swedes did it, is that they go through, they cut all that stuff you're talking about, like now, when it's not snowy. They let it snow in and drift three or four feet, and then you go and then you cut, you know, on top of the snow, and you put your sledge and you're good to go. And that stuff is oh. compost underneath. Oh. Good idea. So that, I love it when people like you guys tell me what is actually going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that is. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. Okay, thanks yeah. a lot. All right, thanks, thanks, Anthony. Good to hear from Bye. you. Bye. Yeah, ta-ta for now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the aspen forest, right? Because aspens, a healthy forest looks great, but then every once in a while something comes along and just decimates. I mean, right. it just it's either a bug or it's frost or wind, something. Virus. <laughs> yeah, anything. And they lay on the ground and just rot so fast and create a perfect um, <laughs> bedding for for the spruce trees, yeah, the, right. ever, the conifers to come in. Right. And you see that you see that a lot um, on the ski areas where the spru- the conifers are mm-hmm. interspersed with the aspens. Mm-hmm. And, exactly uh, how it's supposed to be. Yeah. 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 And they trade places. They trade places, and the conifers they like a little shade when they're young. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you see them coming up in the aspen forest and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you, shade Mama Aspen. Yeah, yeah, shade right. and mulch from all the leaves yep. and the their rotting branches. You know how they're always so no branches all the way, you know, up until you get to the top. Well, all those old branches fell off and yeah. mm-hmm. create this great seed <laughs> base on the forest floor. Yep. Yeah. So, so again, like it's it. just a miracle of nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go back to the night owl food forest and um, finish up our tour yeah. with them. Yeah, that was cool. So you have um, underground hugel bed and uh, above ground hugel beds, but also you have the hybrid that is this kind. Okay. Where is a trench, and then we start to put the different kind of logs from the harder and start to build this pile with different size and uh, twigs and branches at the end, plus compost, leaves, and dirt. The benefit of the bed is like a hold water. Overall, when it's seasonal already, become better through the time. So uh, outperform way far the normal rest. Uh, wow, cool. Yeah. Will this break down and settle at some point? Yeah. Right. Soil is building, decomposition is happening as it's being watered, similar to a compost pile. It's, it's allowed the opportunity to decompose um, much faster than on the surface in our, in our uh, dry western uh, arid conditions. Um, you know, water is important, so, and so is decomposition. And yeah. we don't find a lot of decomposition you know, on the surface of our, of our ground unless it's a, it's a climate um, near water bodies or under a forest floor that decomposes. So that's, wow. that's the whole uh, idea of this project is to create more opportunity for water and decomposition to happen. That's the basis of fertility and exactly. life. And create a good web of uh, soil. Yeah. A web of, yeah, yeah. of life in the soil. Yeah, I, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Where is your water coming from? We're up on this hill, so how does your irrigation work? Believe it or not, that, is, that hill over there is higher than here, so the water comes down into the valley by gravity and then it goes whoop all the way up here and come, comes out of that yeah. valve over there. And then I have a apparatus here to get every single drop mm-hmm. into uh, the places where I need it. So this has been watered. Conti- the hugel bed has been watered continually so this week. Sprinklers on this to water it yeah. now. Looks and like you have buckwheat. Yeah, and it looks like there's a grain in there. Yeah, there. There's buckwheat. Buckwheat um, and a pea. And pea, right? 
And there's also sorghum Sudan grass, and so that breaks up the clay. So okay. the roots of that go down and break up the clay. And uh, the other one is uh, for the bees, for the insects. Sure. That's the clover. I have a question about the wood that you put in here. Are you leaving a lot of space? Like, is it crosshatched, or do you put it super tight? Like, yeah, and what kind of wood? The most tight possible. As tight as possible. Yeah, and like, fill the gaps with smaller amount, and mm-hmm. then dirt or and compost and yes, lined up like layers. tight and layers with compost. Interesting. And then. Wow. What kind of, just whatever wood you got, or like... (laughs) I reckon I have a lot of paonia tree branches in here because they cut them all down in the town and then they they don't want to take them to the dump and so I say dump them here. And it works out perfectly. This is the infinity loop that I love. Do you have plans of what you might be planting on this bed here? Something that will produce even more wind protection because the wind seems to come off from the southwest here a lot. And if there weren't to be any structure, it may be here. So um, the trees can't be planted right in the bed. So you'd plant them close to it and their roots will go down and then feel out and maybe nursed. Yeah, I like the idea of this huge, huge, long, 45 foot long bed of old stumps and trees, limbs, nursing a new tree that wants, yeah, to, sure. uh, wants to be here. And, it, and it's pretty much just clay that side and it's pretty much just clay this side. So mm. the trees have to be so strong if they want to live here. Uh-huh. <laughs> The only wood that you don't want to use, coming back into your question, is uh, those ones that has juglone or black walnut. Ah, yeah. And also the rot resistant, like cedar, uh, black uh, locust. Juniper. Or local juniper. And some of the the conifer you can use a limited amount. It's not going to be an issue, but if you use it a lot now. So let's go down to the Google Bed terraces. Yeah, so something to consider as we're walking through these terraces is that there are trenches 30 inches in width, on average two feet in depth below the surface, that are filled with woody debris. Uh, Just like the Hugo culture concept concept and method that was used on that Hugo culture was used in, in this terrace to have a place for water to store and sure. decomposition to happen. Sure, I love it. So we're down at the pond and this is a pond that you've built. Well this is a collection basin. It's okay. uh, This water comes in from the top of the hill from that valve by a, a pipe and then it leaves pretty quickly so the water is moving the whole time. This is the beginning of a project that I started as a result of receiving a grant the law grant, LOR, fieldwork grant. And I have to say, preface everything, before we even started thinking about changing anything on the land, we convened the neighbors because they're all part of the same watershed. We're all in the same bioregion, the West Delt bioregion here. And it's really, really important to consider that anything that we do on the land here is going to affect them, no matter what. If you create a dimple in in the soil, it's going to affect them somehow. So we convened the neighbors, and that conversation lasted a few months. First of all, the whole project was going to be on that hill, but a neighbor said, well, Elizabeth, there are prairie dog holes over there. And I said, you're right, there are prairie dog holes over there. We don't want to touch the prairie dog holes because the prairie dogs are a keystone species and I'm alive. I'm one of those 150 species that they're keeping alive and all their holes are conduits for water themselves and so I was thinking oh my gosh they this it's so easy and great to learn from them let's not disturb them so then we were going to do a check dams in the middle of this furrow here a neighbor said well Elizabeth you've got sagebrush there and we don't want to disturb the sagebrush the sagebrush is our nurse plant for trees here it protects them it shades them so we didn't want to disturb the sagebrush at all so I was driving around here one morning on my little uh, electric four-wheeler and I suddenly had uh, an idea it was actually as I was doing a biodynamic preparation when you bring down the 
force and power of the cosmos, it must have just come to me at that <laughs> stage. And I thought, aha, this is the place for our plan. There are no prey dogs, as far as I know, and there's no sagebrush in this area. And so once we decided this was the place, we actually convened, three of us, and we had a ceremony to be with the insects and the, um, the life here and just to tell them we, we're coming in and please do we have your blessing to start this work and, and we apologize for any alteration this might mean in your life. And so after the ceremony, we got to work on the first uh, catchment. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth, Marta, and Trace at Night Owl Food Forest mm -hmm. for showing us around the property and looking forward to checking back there. Yeah, it's quite educational because I'd never, we've mm -hmm. heard of Hugo right. culture, but I'd never seen it. Yeah. I'd never seen it to that extent. No. You know, and then you start noticing some other places where it's been used and that's what's going on yeah. yeah yeah and i love how um people are combining different things like permaculture with the hugo culture permaculture with biodynamic mm -hmm. i mean they all fit together yeah mm -hmm. they do and it's the, it's the same old thing right it's diversity mm -hmm. is the key mm -hmm. so maybe one system fails and adapter die another yeah. system picks up the slack yeah mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is it. What works for you? Mm, oh, Absolutely. bottom line. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, bottom line. And we've seen that at each one of our mm -hmm. um, tours, yep. how different yep. everybody's scene is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, we said that here as well. <laughs> there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. way. There's the way that you do it. Yeah. And either you're going to have a lot of success or some or maybe none or it and it doesn't matter because as long as you learn something mm -hmm, right. from it and try well, again yeah you're, you're and good. the underlying thing under all of them is organic matter there always yeah, yeah whatever way you're doing it right yeah yeah a lot of passion going on a lot of learning going on a lot of sharing of knowledge and um, love of the land mm-hmm it's so rewarding, too. I mean, you just go out there and just flop down or just, <laughs> you know, I, I do that. I mean, and you just or you just go out there and you're because the zinnias now are, mm -hmm. you know, I'm eyeball to eyeball with them. And I think we did lose you on the tour as you watched a dragonfly in the pond. <laughs> oh, I was having the best time watching the dragonfly. And then I watched the nymph. And then another, and then there was another nymph. And then there was another dragonfly. <laughs> and the two dragonflies, oh, they were kind of dancing around. They were those blue ones. <laughs> they, were, they were. It was pretty yeah. awesome. I was, I was captivated. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of it. Is mm -hmm. being yeah, realizing that you are part of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and well, and in in uh, where I grew up, um, in Connecticut, there was a lot of. Uh, I was out in the woods all the time, mm -hmm. and there were a lot of places where yeah. you would see things that just blew you away. And how could mm -hmm. you not be blown away? Right. Well, I think people have separated themselves um, from a lot of different things. They yeah. separated themselves, obviously, from the land and um, separated themselves from food. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of it is fear-based, too. I can, you know, my mother was, my sisters and brothers and I used to say, yeah, you could pay her to worry. She was the biggest worry ward of all time. So you'd come in and she'd go, oh, did you have fun out there? Yeah, yeah. What did you do? And then she'd say, never mind, don't tell me. I, you know, I don't want to yeah. start worrying about it. Because she just, yeah. Because mm -hmm. and I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, there was poison ivy. There was there were copperhead snakes. There mm -hmm. were, you know, the ticks and bees and wasps, and it was really cool. I'll take the natural world over. Me too. Yeah. yeah. You get plenty of, if you, <laughs> yeah, any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, we have time for another call, 527-4868-866-KVNF now. Lance, you still have robins up at your 
your spot up there. Oh, yeah. We're well, not they, seeing those they, in town. Right yeah. Now. The hedge grove is still full of choke cherries. Mm. And they're starting to dry up, but they will get They'll all of them. They'll still eat them. But what's fun is I'm running the sprinklers, and I'll go over there, and there'll be five to ten working, taking a bath, getting a drink, or just working the edge of the sprinkler where the worms start to come up. And I'll pull the sprinkler, and I'll come back 20 minutes later, and there they all are. <laughs> yeah, they're doing you know, the dance with you. Yeah, they're yeah. having they're having a really good time. Nice. Yeah. You know, there's other birds there. Sorry, I'm not a. Uh, I don't know how to recognize all of them. Mm-hmm. There are some grosbeaks, and there's actually uh, uh, bluebirds. Some bluebirds flying through. Oh, nice, great. I saw a goldfinch on the sunflowers the mm-hmm. other day. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. But it bothers me that they call them lesser goldfinches because <laughs> they're not quite as bright. Oh, you know? not quite. No. Still okay. stunning. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the um, hummingbirds um, were really active before this last front came in, and now they're not. They're yeah, not I haven't so heard much. of hummingbirds, so I wonder yeah. if they're moved out. Uh, it seems like the bird uh, population migratory path timing was a little bit off this year too i mm-hmm. think everything yeah yeah has been a little off tell yeah. me about your grapes because um we talked about grapes being just off the charts a They're little bit off the and, charts and you're gonna dry your grapes did you i'm decide gonna to? make raisins um so i had two varieties already picked the hemrod and this other one, which I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's actually a real big clustered thing. And then I have the Candace and the Reliance, and they're not quite ready in my garden. You were picking, Lulu was picking a Reliance. Yeah, mine mm-hmm. weren't ready. Oh, yeah. you're you're picking already. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I picked a Candace. I tasted a few, and then I said, okay, that's ready. I went and cut it and brought it into my truck to munch as I'm driving along. And the reality is, it wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the the Reliance do that too. Um, it's funny. There's a bunch here, and it's the perfect color. And then, right next to it, there's still green. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, the grapes where the the trunk comes out of the ground, and you got the first horizontals. That part that's going to ripen early. Mm-hmm. The ones on the outer edges or up higher, mm-hmm. they're going to be a little later. So you could technically color pick them. Or taste pick them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know? It's it's that way for sure with the Concords. Mm-hmm. I walk through the arbor and where I can reach them, I'll pull one down and, it, and I'll think, oh my God, it's ready. And then I pull the next one down and go, nah, I got time. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. So, yeah, right. Buy yourself some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right now I'm not having a problem with birds getting in there. But once the w- birds start pecking, then the wasps come in. Mm-hmm. And then you pretty much have lost your whole crop. Yeah. Well, you so you got to go move get, fast. You can get that stuff from um, Jer, that wasp catcher. I'm not interested in catching wasps. I'm mm-hmm. not. I, I was but catching you can. them at first. You can get these wasp traps. Yeah, I, I was catching them at first because they, they, they were, na- they, I wouldn't have had any grapes. Mm-hmm. And then after I looked at how many were in the bag, I took it down and I haven't put it back up, and we have come to a peace, yeah. uh, an agreement. They're yeah. still there. The birds are still working it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and stuff. So the wasps are doing a great job on all the um, oh gosh the worms in the cabbage. Yep. And also yep. in the... Um, They'll eat aphids, too. The aphids on the kale. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so. doing a fabulous job. Yep. And they like my cheek. Too. Did they, they get won. you? <laughs> they got you. <laughs> sounded like a ping pong ball uh-huh. at me. Yeah. But they're our friends, so. Yeah. yeah. If you can, if they're not in your walking area and mm-hmm. stuff like that, just leave them alone. Yeah. And I don't let anybody go out in my outhouse because the wasps love that outhouse. Oh, do they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you yeah. have going on out there? Uh, they It's right next to the garden. It's uh-huh. a perfect cover for them. Yeah, it's oh, perfect. Yeah, you know. Hot, dry, and Whoa. dusty. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. They love that. And you also dried a lot of apricots. You got a pretty good I haul I did. I got six and a half gallons of uh, dried apricots, uh, three different varieties. The white apricot, the one from Ladakh, India, and then my Chinese apricot. Nice. Yeah. So I got you that for got two years. Food storage is going on. <laughs> oh yes. yeah, just starting. Yeah, mm. I have I have a gallon of the regulars. That's a lot of apricots right yeah. there. It's yeah, not bad. A, no. Yeah. 
All right. That brings us to the end of our hour. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> got to get back out in the garden. And we'll be back next Tuesday for another edition of As the Worm Turns. It's One Woman's Perspective coming up next. Thanks for listening to KBNF. Have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Be kind. Don't let the wind blow.